All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's after five o'clock. It's a good old-fashioned song. <laughs> that one's like, I think that's more, uh, maybe late Berry Tuesdays. Maybe a, a little bit, uh, I think, cocktail club, maybe? Possibly. Those who know, they know. All right? They know. So, anyway, speaking of uh, pubs, ran into a, uh, I was, <laughs> uh, ran into, because <laughs> we've talked about this on the show before, and it was so true, because I, I, I met someone from the North End here recently. And uh, we were chatting about North End. Obviously, I like to make a lot of jokes about the North End. And you know, we're sitting around this table having drinks. And I just mentioned the North End. And, oh, yeah, you know, she'd said she'd be there. I'm like, oh. And they said, oh, let me guess. She went to Richard's Pub. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, did you get in a fight there? <laughs> and turns out she did. <laughs> Honestly, it was one of the toughest bars ever, man. Like, I think they, the, the the girls there were uh, were fairly tough. And, oh, God, did we laugh. I was like... Look, very, very good stereotype, and it lived up to it. So, uh, shout out to all of those. Because if you went to Richard's Pub, I think you'll know. Just ask the, uh, that's our good friend Eddie Hallaby. He could tell you a few stories, I'm sure. So, I don't know if uh, our next guest went to uh, Richard's Pub or not. Might have once or twice, I would think. I don't know. Let's find out as we get to the uh, spec report. Brought to you by GS Construction. I'll tell you right now, they got a few people on the crew being a Richard's, a few that haven't. They're well diversified at uh, GS and they're hiring. Go to Indeed.com, 
Look up GS Construction, and they're hiring for all sorts of positions right now. Pipe layers, uh, top men, top women, uh, lead hands, operators, and more. At Indeed.com. Uh, Mark Spector joins us. Spec, uh, you must have you must have gone to Richard's Pub a few times in your uh, in your long in your young life. Yeah, I think I made it into Richard's Pub. I'm trying to remember where it is. Is that the one in Castle Downs? Yeah, yeah. Um, God, what yeah, street? I, I can't remember that. what street it was on. But the the key was I you might have made it in, Spec. But did you make it out standing up? That's a better question. Yeah. No, I never thought found that place so threatening. I thought the one of the scarier bars I ever went into in the North End as a kid was the Bev Crest. I thought that was a little bit of a top rock bar in there. Beverly Crest. That is a blast in the past. Jeez, you are old. Woo! I love it. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, rock bar in there. The uh, the Boston Brewers are going to talk to Joe Haggerty coming up here in a second about them, but uh, a little bit of a break here for the orders. Uh, and Connor asked about it. Like it's an eight twenty two puck drop tonight, which is ten twenty two Eastern time. And the Bruins on a little bit of a road trip here. Do you think that plays into it into their internal clock being that late of a start uh, on a weeknight game? Because usually their games are starting at seven Eastern. Now it's ten twenty two. Can that be an advantage? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's all things like it's it's an advantage for Colorado and Calgary because the altitude is high. You might not even know you're at a disadvantage, but oh, you know, look down at the 20 year record, and it is an advantage for those teams because of of sea level, right? And, mm-hmm. and I would say to you that of all people who don't get affected by time zone changes. Those of us in the hockey business who regularly travel right through the different time zones, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I don't lose any sleep anymore. But, right, but I still wake up on Edmonton time in a lot of different time zones. So, you know, my point would be if you're, if you're Brad Marchand and as a hockey player, you're used to hitting the sack around 11 o'clock, let's say, yeah, man, this game starts at, you know, this game starts late for you. I think it is an advantage for the orders for sure. And I'm looking. They haven't been out of the, the Eastern time zone since January 13th because they had home games and they had road wow. games in Ottawa and Philly. And then they started since the uh, the All-Star break. Spec that a seven-game homestand. Home to Calgary, Vancouver, Washington, Tampa, Seattle, L.A., and Dallas. And they went 2-3-2 two, and two on that seven-game homestand. So they haven't been out of their, their time zone in uh, in over a month, you know, over five weeks. And then they come and it's a late game tonight. And then they're in tomorrow into Calgary and then in Vancouver. So it's 3-4. and four, And, you know, so I'm curious to see how that plays out. Meanwhile, the orders come back. They've kind of been on a seven-game road trip in essence because they played seven games in seven different cities. Now you come back. Uh, Warren yeah. Fogel talked about it. it was just, you know, it was important for them to get back on a winning streak here after winning 16 they had you know been win one lose one win one lose one uh they go into dallas play very well i thought and won and then arizona kind of slept walk through the second but then dominated the third on against a team they should and win uh but they've been excellent at home spec they're 16 and 2 in their last 18 home games and on this current eight game uh winning streak they've outscored the opponents 35 13 and four of those goals came in the last game in the first seven, they'd only given up nine goals. Like they've actually been pretty stingy defensively on home ice. Well, and they got a team that's on the ropes, right? This is a good, you know, everybody in Edmonton knows the story about the Oilers team that goes away in a road trip and then comes home and isn't very good the first night out. Like we've, this is an old, as old as dirt, this line. And it's true. Like the record shows it to be true. So, what you need when you come home 
let me give you an example. The other the other last couple of weeks ago, yeah. Calgary went in the road trip out east. They did pretty well. They came home. They had San Jose, which is yeah. like a a team that doesn't get your attention, and they got smoked by the Sharks. So for the Oilers to have Boston in here, there's no lack of attention when you look across the ice and see that Bruins jersey, right? You know, th- this is not a team where you go, oh, just another night in the NHL. You're playing the Bruins. You're only playing twice a year. This is a good thing for Edmonton to have a sexy, good, competitive team in here. It's also good that the Bruins don't have a regulation win in their last five games, and their power play has been awful. The Bruins are slumping. So Edmonton's in a spot with a game they can win. I'm not saying they will win, but the, the, it's set up well for them that if they give you your be- their best game right now, is vastly superior to Boston's best game in the past week and a half. Yeah. No, no, that's totally valid. You know what? There is something to be said. Like, you come home and, you know, it's Boston. you got to be a little bit maybe more on your toes. And if it's San Jose, I, that makes actually a lot of sense. Just the human yeah. element. We can't overlook the human element at times. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, questionable spec tonight. Uh, was sick, didn't come to the morning skate. My gut is he's not going to play. So, uh, you know, Warren Fogle will get the uh, the boost up on that line. Do you think he stays there all game? Well, let's see. You know, one thing I, I, I like that Chris Knobloch moves his lines around. You know, I mean, I think the prediction you're asking me for is, is that line going to be good enough that they don't shuffle the deck after two periods? <laughs> and uh, I think, yeah, I, I like Warren Fogle uh, with McDavid because he does have great speed, Warren Fogle. He can really skate. You know, it, it, this is typically a Fogle can give me a game or two on the first line. It doesn't mean he's a first line player, right? But he hasn't been up there for a while. So, yeah, I'll predict that he'll have a, a good first game on McDavid's flank. And I'll also predict he won't be there next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's totally valid. Um I think Evander Kane probably takes Nugent Hopkins spot on the uh, on the first unit power play as well for one game. Um, but, you know, as I talk about Warren Fogle and, you know, I see the minutes Warren Fogle's played this year. I think his minutes are up and maybe not surprised his production is up. And I've talked a lot and I've been very open about it. I think, you know what, improving the fourth line would be good on Edmonton. But I, I, last night I was, you know, I was looking over some numbers of other teams, looking at Vegas's guys. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Fourth line guys, when given minutes, can make more of an impact. So my question is, you know, and I started wondering, well, does is Ken Holland going to acquire fourth liners for any any cost, like a Nick Dowd, for instance, because the coach might not play them, right? Like historically, I don't. There's three different coaches. You got McDavid and Drysdale. It just seems like they're hell bent that they're not going to play their bottom guys enough. It's it's too difficult to ask guys to make an impact on your on your fourth line if you're only playing nine or ten minutes. It's just it's. It's too difficult most times. Like they got to get on the, they got to at least be penalty killers. So that'd be the number one thing. Like at least Knobloch for a long time, you know, took McDavid and Drysaddle for the most part off of the uh, penalty kill. Not completely, but more so because you need the, if you want to win as a team, you got to allow the other guys to get some ice time. It's just that simple. So now I'm, I'm the, as I was looking through that last night, I was like, God, I'm not sold that even now, I don't know if this fourth line, like, I don't think they're, they bring a lot. That's just me, but maybe I'm wrong because they're not getting that much opportunity. So I don't know. It's a weird thing when you go through what the orders did at the decade of darkness and gather up all these first round picks and, and get really lucky and get David and dry settle. The, the offshoot is you become a top heavy team. 
You know, they're a top-heavy team. And I, listen, no one in this city has groused and, and complained more than me about coaches who who don't make the bottom of this roster feel like they have much of a role. They're not part of the solution. Every time trouble arrives in Edmonton, everybody sits on the bench and they send out McDavid and Dreisaitl and someone else to solve the issues, and everyone goes, okay, those guys are going to solve our problems for us. They're going to pull another one out of the fire. Mm-hmm. And then you play a team like Vegas that's got four lines that are all invested and all feel like they're part of the thing, and they beat you, right? And they beat you. So it's always going to be a problem here. You're, as long as you're playing McDavid and Dressa as much as you play, there's not enough room, not enough ice time left for Derek Ryan's line. So, you know, I thought Knobloch's done a pretty good job with that in his tenure. I think he's been one of the coaches who's paid attention to that. Will we ever become a, a team where you see the fourth line playing 12 minutes? I doubt it, yeah. frankly. Do you? Uh, well, if they're penalty killers, there's a chance, right? Because, it, it, and I mean, like top no. penalty killers, like you look at some guys that, that penalty kill, um, you know, they're, they're penalty killing for 230 a game. Now the owners don't take a ton of penalties overall. So that I shouldn't say that actually they're like the sixth highest penalty killing team in the league. So, you know, you could have guys who kill penalties, right? Like look at Derek Ryan's PK numbers. I think he has the most on the team and he's at like 230 or 225. So I think, it, and if you're an effective fourth liner, then I think you could play 11, 12 minutes. Well, his his top three, stop me if I'm wrong, but aren't his top four penalty-killing forwards Ryan and Yanmark and Brown and Nugent Hopkins? I think yeah. those are his four top four penalty killers. So yeah. they're three fourth-line guys. Yeah. So, you know, if those three guys are your top three or four penalty killers and they're still only getting eight minutes, then what does that tell you? There's not enough even strength time for these guys or you're not taking enough penalties one way or another, but – um, it's a, it's an issue and it's a thing. I'm I'm all for it, and I, I I've had this chat with Oilers players, and they say the same thing. They're sick of not being counted on in the moments that matter in games, and mm-hmm. I think Knobloch's done a better job of that. Yeah. Now it's a bit chicken or egg when you're in the fourth line. You know, they, they it's chicken or egg in terms of I got to play really well so you count on me when we need a goal, but if I don't play enough. I never get to that spot with my coach, do I? No. So, but well, here's the thing, you know, Speck. I just wanted to figure. Out. Hey, I looked it up. How many minutes a game do you think Yanmark plays? Twelve, right? The the only forward okay. amongst their top twelve who doesn't play twelve minutes is Derek Ryan. He plays. He's averaged ten and a half. Connor Brown is at thirteen twenty. Now that was early in the year. Maybe I'd probably like to go over the last thirty games and see where it's at. But Yanmark, who's got two goals, is playing twelve minutes a night. You got to get more production in twelve minutes. So you know. If, uh, if, and so Knobloch has shown a willingness to do it. So maybe you can do it then. So, uh, it is one where if you're going to do it, if you're going to get those guys, you do it because like McDavid this year, he's only playing 21, 27. It's actually the lowest minutes of his career. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Those guys are getting their minutes and it's not going in. I mean, it's like Connor Brown. There's nobody in the national hockey league who's got 72 shots on goal this year that doesn't have a goal. Right. So you you know you can rip on Connor Brown all you want. This is a, a historic bad luck season for him. Remember, you know I'm not an analytics guy, but I do hear a lot of this is just bad luck and it's got to change. It's got to revert to the mean. It's got to revert to the mean for Connor Brown and Yanmark at some point too, because they're both getting shots, they're both getting chances, not going in. So you know what. I don't care that much. How I don't care how much the fourth line scores that much. In the end of the season, they should have between six and nine goals. Those guys, 
Are they going to get there this year? Maybe not. Maybe they make them up in the playoffs, Jay. Who knows? Yeah, well, Brown has 72 shots, right? Like, for, for, for people wondering, Ryan McLeod has 68 shots. He has nine goals. Um, now, he has a pretty high shooting percentage at 13.2. So, uh, you know, Brown, you know, heck, God, if Brown even had a 4% shooting percentage, he'd have a few goals. So. <laughs> right. That's um, what I mean. He's not that. Like, the guy scored. He's had 20 goal seasons. Yeah. Well, you the, know? Yeah. No, and that's we've true. all witnessed the chances he's getting. I'm not telling you that he's been a great contractor, that it's been awesome. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying the guy's got 72 shots. He's got about five posts. He's had lots of chances that aren't going in. You know, it's it's he hasn't been a good player for the Oilers. I'm not telling you that it has been, but zero goals on 72 shots is a little much, too, isn't it? Yeah, it's to buy a reader. But here's the thing, Spec. When everybody says it's going to change, Toby Reader is the proof that it isn't guaranteed to change for that season. It might change again next Toby year. Reader's never done it. Toby, Toby Reader's never done it. Well, he had 14, He's 15 goals. Player, he had 14, 15. Like, I know you're like, I know that you're the Connor Brown cheerleader club. Come on. Like, he, but no, 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 but don't compare. You you can't compare Toby Reader's career to Connor Brown's career, Jason. Come on. Right? Toby Reader had one decent kind of sort of season. He wasn't a good player. Was ah, barely an NHL player. God, yeah. that's been a league a long time here. He had a few good years. He had back to back 30 points, 14, 15 goals. Right? I just, Connor Brown hasn't scored in two years, Spec. It's two years. Right, so well, he, and he only had, played four goal games last year. I know, but the point is, come on. But the point, you're, the Connor <laughs> Brown you're comparing is the Connor Brown pre-injury. He might never be that player again. Well, hey, that's fair. But if this was an injury thing, I would say to you, we would see that he's too slow to play. I'm not seeing that he's too slow. Maybe you are. I don't see him too slow to play. A slow guy can't be a very effective penalty killer, which Connor Brown has been. Yeah, a slow guy. Yeah, I'm not saying he's getting five scoring chances a night, but he's had a lot of scoring chances. He hit another post just the other night. Mm-hmm. So to me, and I'm thinking about this a lot with this guy. I got a piece coming up in him soon, but I don't see a player where I go, oh, look, he's lost a step. He, he'll never play. No, that's I don't see I that. See. I, I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't see a guy that's lost a step. Do you? No, no. Actually, the thing is, Brown does a lot of things that you like. When you watch him, he's a really good forechecker, good position, has good stick placement, very well on the penalty kill, that part. I have no problem with his effort. But his finishing ability, and the other thing, the last time he scored 20 spec, it was kind of crazy because he finished the year with 21 goals for Ottawa. He had 15 goals in his last 19 games. That's unsustainable, right? So that was like a massive heater. He's kind of on the opposite end of that now. So he's probably, because he'd scored 10 goals his last full year in Ottawa, right? So he's probably realistically a guy, like he's got 90 goals in 492 games. So if I do the math, that's about a, you know, an average of a 13, 14 goal score. Right, which is which is okay. He's a fifteen goal player, but He's that's pre goal player. But that's right? pre injury, right? So we need to see like, will he get back? Now it's his knee, and his knee shouldn't impact his hands, but it's clearly impacted his head. No. Right? Well, the, the certainly the lack of success. Like yes. here's a guy that listen, he came here, he got a contract. They talked him up. He's in a big hockey market. He's been disappointing as all get out. He's feeling tons of pressure internally. You know, it's it's hard when you fail miserably on the public stage, man. Like, try it sometime. A lot of our listeners who have jobs where when they make a mistake, only them and their boss knows. This guy here, we talk about every day how bad it's going for him. It's yeah. not easy. And I get it. He's making $4 bucks. 
I'm not giving them pity. I'm just telling you, when you get in one of these things, and we've seen lots of guys slump here, you get in one of these slumps, man, it's it's you go to bed thinking about it, and you wake up thinking about it, and you think about it for every minute in between. You know, the, I, I feel like he give the guy a couple goals and let's see what happens is what, what I'm trying to say. He needs something good to happen. Is he that bad a player that he can't score a single goal? I mean, come on. Back. I am loving this, that you are driving the Connor Brown fan bus right now. This is outstanding. Order fans are like, what is happening? Right? They're always ripping on spec for running guys out of town. But today it's like, Connor Brown, <laughs> Connor Brown for Mark Spector. I can't wait for your wow. piece on him. This is outstanding. I love it. It's a good change, Spector. Toby Reader. No. You got me going with the Toby Reader comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Spec, we'll see you at the rink. Have a good one. All right, buddy. There you go. Uh, Mark Spector. Oh, hey, look at Spec. Right, Connor Brown. Now, hey, he's probably right that, uh, you know, Connor Brown has a historically better se- career than Toby Reader. Totally valid. But my point was, people thought it would change for Toby Reader. Didn't change that year. And I would like to think, because Connor Brown, if you actually just watch the game and you remove the goals, if you just watch the game and you look at what he does, you're like, okay, I, didn't, I don't think this guy has zero goals. Right? He does a lot of things right. But once he gets around the net right now, he's a guy who has no goals, and it's obvious. He's got no come. Like, that guy right now could not wheel a tire down a hill. He couldn't do it. He just, when it comes to crunch time, he's got no finish. Now, you watch, and I and he better. When he scores, if that guy doesn't celebrate, like all celebrations, I'll be like, what are you doing, man? You haven't scored in almost two calendar years. Everybody knows you're feeling the stress. Don't pretend like, ooh, it's no big deal. You better be ripping it. Like, I don't, I would, I'm not saying go Dave Tiger Williams, but there better be a, a real noticeable celebration when you score your first goal in two years. I don't care that you're in the NHL or not. I don't care what the score of the game is. All your teammates know that's a massive relief. All the fans know it. The fa- there's lots of fans that are actually rooting for him to score now. It's gotten to the point where there's like empathy creeping in because most people do have empathy and they're just like god i hope he scores like jesus it's tough to watch it's hard to watch so there better be a celebration when he does score that's all i know so we'll see when we come back uh, joe haggerty joins us we'll talk about the bruins no hampus lindholm that's a huge blow for them guy plays in all situations on the back end you know uh, right with mcavoy is their best defenseman so he's out that's a benefit for the orders he got hurt in dallas and uh, who are they looking for does this mean they're looking for a blue liner are they looking for a center iceman? What do they need at the trade deadline? We'll find out next in the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 533. How are you? Welcome back to the Gregor Show on Sports 1440. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley. With you as uh, now we're going to get to the uh, lineup report brought to you by Sherwood Motorsports. And hey, guess what? They are the uh, the local dealer for all things Yamaha in Sherwood Park. Boats, boats, motors, side-by-sides, ATVs, you name it, they got it all. And new location, baby. Ready to roll right now at Sherwood Power Sports and Marine. As uh, Joe Haggerty from uh, Boston Hockey now joins us. Joe, how you doing, my man? Hey, Gregor. How are you, my friend? Hey, uh, I am great. Um, big loss for the Bruins in Dallas as a uh, Hampus Lindholm uh, coach announced it today week to week. I was looking at all the numbers like obviously him and McAvoy. It's kind of like one A and one B as far as, you know, minutes and usage and 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 where he's being used. Like this is a pretty big blow, Jody. I, I don't know. Before we get into to Lindholm, uh, were the Bruins looking for a D-man before this? Do you think they look even harder now at the deadline? Uh, what other positions do you think they're going to be looking at here the next 16 days? 
Yeah, I, I think, and it's funny, I was I just recorded my podcast this morning, and we were talking about that, and I think we all agreed the biggest need, the biggest priority, the biggest thing they're going to be looking for uh, target-wise, you know, the first thing they need to uh, box, they need to check when, at the trade deadline as far as the player they're going to get as a defenseman, preferably somebody that can play top four minutes, um, is hard-nosed and plays with a little bite in the defensive zone, kills penalties, you know, maybe a little bit of a, an intimidator, that kind of a guy. Okay. Um, so, so they absolutely need somebody uh, on the back end to add to what they already have. You know, they uh, Derek Forbord has struggled with injuries this year. He's missed long periods of time, and he's struggled since he came back. Matt Grizzlick has struggled this year. Uh, Brandon Carlo has been good. Charlie McAvoy's obviously been very solid, aside from a tough November. Uh, Hampus Lindholm, decent season, definitely not as good as he played last year. Um, but like, you know, as you mentioned, he's averaging almost 24 minutes of ice time playing in all situations and really was, has been a horse for them. So removing him from the equation with the other struggling players that they've had right now, um, it's just going to add to it. And I think it's going to magnify and really make it clear for everybody. I think how much they need, uh, to add another defenseman. We all know that attrition hits in the playoffs and down the stretch. Uh, and takes away from the back end. So they, they definitely are going to get a look at how badly they need to bring another body in. Um, and it's, it's a big blow for them. But, you know, this, this is why they built up a cushion all year long with all those wins to go through the star- struggles they're going through now. Yeah, you know, they're 2-3-2 two, and two here in that, that seven-game homestand, and, and it wasn't like they were playing, uh, you know, the, the best of the best. Uh, you know, Dallas, obviously a good team, and they beat them. But, you know, you look at Boston, everybody knows what happened last year, uh, Joe. Is there – do they look and say, you know what, we don't need to, you know – you know, bust our balls all the way to, to finish as high as we can. We just we want to be healthy. We want to be playing well. Not that they would take the foot off the pedal per se, but do you think there's a different approach in Boston heading down the stretch this year than last? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think they learned a lesson from last year. And, and obviously, look, they were you know chasing history last year and ended up with the best regular season of all time. And I think that was part of the reason they were doing what they did doing and not resting guys as much and really keeping the foot, uh, the pedal down uh, to the metal on the gas all the way to the end of the season. Uh, I think they did learn a lesson from that as far as trying to set themselves up for the playoffs, not really ma- mattering as much if they finish first, second, third, whatever. Um, and, and Florida was a good example of that last year too, you know, just sneaking into the playoffs uh, and then getting all the way to the Stanley Cup final because they were playing the best hockey of the year at the right time of year uh, when it got to the postseason. So I, I think that was part of the lesson uh, that they learned last year. But I think another lesson that they learned last year in the playoffs specifically um, is how much they need uh, heavy, physical, uh, kind of in-your-face players. They need a few more of those to add to the group that they already have here. Uh, they tried to add some physical, heavy guys at the deadline with Garnett Hathaway, Dmitry Orlov. Um, and, and, you know, they, they met some success with those players. But I think they need even more uh, of that, and they're a little light in that area when you watch that team as far as pushback. Some of that is the players that they have. Some of that is the fact that uh, Milan Lucic was in the fold in the plan for this year, and, and obviously that's not going to happen. And they plan to have a bigger, heavier, sort of nastier player in the lineup uh, regularly, and he's just not around. They, they don't have that kind of player aside from when they brought in Lucic, so that's a spot that's just vacant that they, you weren't able to replace with anybody else. So I, I think they're going to be looking at the deadline for big, heavy defensemen, big, heavy forward to add to what they already have to give them a little bit more of what they're going to need in the playoffs as far as having pushback 
against other teams when things get a little nasty like they did against Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett and the Florida Panthers. And just in general, I think they get pushed around too much by other teams um, and don't have enough of those kind of players that uh, you know are going to be assertive about being the one pushing instead of uh, being the one reacting. And I think they could use that. And that'll be part of the plan of the deadlines, kind of learning that lesson from last year too. Joe Haggerty joins us, a uh, beat reporter for the uh, Boston Bruins are in town tonight. So, Joe, I'm assuming McAvoy is going to get the, uh, you know, the, the, I know they're on the road, so you don't get to pick it as much, but I'm sure they'll try to get McAvoy out against the McDavid line as much as they can. But then that leaves, you know, you got two young defensemen, one on each pair, and uh, that means one of those pairings is going to have to see Leon Dreisaitl, who is, uh, who's played quite well here as of late, especially on home ice. Uh, tell us about Mason Laurie, who's going to play with Carlo, and then Parker Watherspoon with Forbert. Uh, do you like one of the uh, the young guys better than the other? Or are they both equal? Well, I think as far as defensive assignments, Watherspoon is not going to hurt you as much. Okay. Uh, he's pretty solid defensively. He's a low-risk kind of defenseman, sort of a stay-at-home guy. He's not going to be a high-event player by any means. Uh, but he, he he plays a smart game. And, uh, you know, he's been a surprise this year. He was expected to be a depth player down in the AHL, uh, but he came up and played so well when injuries happened that he's kind of worked himself into the rotation, and he's been solid. Um, Mason Lowry is a very gifted offensive defenseman um, that takes a lot of risks, that has still some a lot of work to do in the defensive zone, especially around the front of the net. He's obviously got great size. He's like 6'3", 6'4" over 200 pounds. So eventually you would think he's going to be able to handle himself in the D zone uh, once he learns his lessons as a young player. But right now um, he makes a lot of the mistakes that a young defenseman will make. He pinches sometimes at the wrong times. He will take risks at times in games, especially in situations where it's not necessary, like when they're trying to protect a one goal lead. And he definitely can be taken advantage of around the net in, in the defensive zone. Um, and that's something it's going to be interesting to see the matchups against the Edmonton Oilers and to see how they work it because the Bruins have a number of defensemen, uh, especially with Lindholm out there that can be picked on and exploited uh, defensively, you know, whether it's low um, whether it's uh, Kevin Shattenkirk when he's in there, Matt Grizzlick, certainly when he's in there as well, like those kind of guys can get picked on. Um, defensively for sure. So, uh, and for, like I said before, Forbert has kind of struggled this year with a, a lower body injury that's dogged him and he has not been playing as well as he has in years past, both penalty kill and five on five. Uh, so that's something to watch as well. But, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to watch what's going to happen tonight because, you know, the, the goals against are good for the Bruins. And uh, on the outside looking in, you would think they're playing pretty good defensive hockey. But their de- defense and their defensemen specifically have not played great this year. They've been bailed out a lot yeah. uh, by their goalies, uh, who have been sensational. They've allowed a lot of odd man rushes, a lot of breakaways, a lot of mental mistakes. And I think that's something a good offensive team like Edmonton, especially if they're playing at the top of their game, could take advantage of. Um, the Bruins rotate their goalies fairly even. They did in the playoffs yeah. last year, Joe. They get to the playoffs this year. Have they learned their lesson, or do you think they're going to try to run with one guy again? Well, I mean, they say the right things because we've asked about this, that they are very open to rotating the goalies, and that's kind of their intention um, this year. But I would suspect, yeah, Jeremy Swayman has moved a little bit ahead of Linus Allmark as far as the pecking order goes this year. He's having an all-star season. He's really a breakout performer this year. I think he's been better than Allmark, even though they've both been very good. He's been a little better than Allmark for the balance of the season. So I would suspect that Swayman is going to get the start in game one. 
And if he plays really well, I, I really doubt that they're going to go away from him and start Allmark in game two. If he has 35 saves, the Bruins win two to one in game one, you know, he plays like he has all season long. Are you really just going to say, you know what, we're going to put him aside. We're going with Linus Allmark for game two. I think that's really difficult for a coach uh, to do that uh, and to go away from a goalie that looks like he's playing really well, especially if he's been kind of your, they call him Bulldog. That's uh, Swayman's nickname. Yeah. Uh, if if he, he looks like that in game one, how do you go away from that in game two? And frankly, um, Allmark has been the guy that's gotten the game one starts the last couple of years and has gotten a long run in the playoffs, and then they've thrown Swayman into some really difficult situations later on in the series where it's kind of a no-win for him. You know, him getting tossed into Game 7 yeah. last year against Florida was really difficult. Yes. So I would like to see, or I think a lot of people would like to see, Swayman get some run in the postseason to see what he can do, um, you know, and let him sort of prove what he can do as a playoff performer because he hasn't gotten that chance yet. So. Okay. You know, in theory, they talk about rotating the goalies, but I wonder if in practice that's actually what's going to happen. Yeah, totally fair. Um, what about, like I was actually looking lately, the, the Bruins are actually scoring more goals here, even though they're losing more, but they're actually scoring more goals. So is offense not that much of a concern? You know, even though they lost Bergeron and Krejci, they, they really haven't lost a ton offensively, at least from the outside. Do you still think they need to improve their center position or is defense the, the major one and that's where they're going to focus on? Yeah, I think defense is the focus. And, and honestly, center has been okay. Charlie Coyle has stepped in, and, you know, he's slumping a little bit lately. But he was he came in and basically this season has stepped into Patrice Bergeron's offensive role as far as the production he was giving, as far as being a really good penalty killer, a good two-way center, a guy that's got some chemistry with Martian. They've played really well together. So, like, he stepped in, and Zach has been pretty solid too. Uh, and they've kind of mitigated that need for this top six center. Everybody was talking about Elias Lindholm all year, and there really wasn't that much fervor for him when he was about to get traded because the, the centers that they had, the veteran guys, have been playing so well. I, I do think, though, you have to take a long, hard look at what they've looked like since the All-Star break, where Jake DeBrusque doesn't have a point, where Charlie Coyle has, I think, one goal, and he's been a minus player where, um, you know, there's a few different guys they have not gotten any production from. And, frankly, uh, Marchand only has a goal, and Postnack only has two. Um, and as some of the other guys that they're relying on for secondary scoring have not been as strong uh, coming out of the All-Star break. So I think that's something they're going to have to look at and say, do we need to add any more here uh, to what we already have? Are we missing, like, one top six uh, forward type? But – I. I I'm with you. I think I've seen enough offense out of this team. I think there are other areas where they really need to, to fill in and, and add defense and, and physicality, heaviness, nastiness. I think those are two big areas where they're going to need more of that into the playoffs. I think at this point they kind of have what they need uh, offensively. They're not, you know, they're not last year's team where they're just going to blow doors on other teams and destroy them offensively and overwhelm them with their depth. But I think they have enough to win in the playoffs, especially if they can get both of their special teams units out of the funks that they're in right now because both the power play and the penalty kill. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since coming back from the All-Star break, I've struggled for the Bruins. Joe, as always, great stuff, man. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you around trade deadline again. Thanks for this. Thanks, Gregor. Anytime, bud. Take care. There you go. That's uh, Joe Haggerty from uh, Boston Sports now uh, covers the Bruins very, very well. We'll come back, wrap things up. we got a few uh, texts, uh, some comments to get to from the coaches and more. Jason Greger, Connor Howe with you in the Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 5.50, welcome back, Greger. Connor Howe with you. Orders, Bruins tonight. Hey, guess what? Good news, you can go home and have a nap. The game, the puck will not drop until 8.22 tonight. Okay, so you have lots of time. Hang out, go for dinner, go for a run, get on the Peloton, whatever you like. Because you got a lot of time. Two and a half hours from now. Actually, even a little bit longer. Uh, luckily, though, what's quicker is the Snow Valley Ski Report coming up now. This is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your ski report for Wednesday, February 21st, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. There may not be any snow in your backyard, but there is snow out in the mountains and local ski areas. Jasper pretty much fully open with the knob chair, Trey Ombres, and Eagle East all ready to ride six centimeters overnight out at Marmot. In Banff, the last 24 hours, Sunshine Village has had one centimeter of fresh snow. Louise, two, and Northway three. Nikiska, no new snow in the last few days, but Castle Mountain has piled up five over the past 48 hours. Fernie, seven centimeters in the last day. Kimberly and Panorama, each with a pair of centimeters in the last 24 hours. At Kicking Horse, they received six centimeters and 14 centimeters at Revelstoke in the last day. Looking deeper into BC in the Kootenays this weekend, Whitewater by Nelson is holding their Cold Smoke Powder Fest this Friday to Sunday. It's an event that celebrates all things related to ski and snowboard culture with demos, clinics and competitions for your pleasure the snow should be good too with whitewater getting five centimeters the last 24 hours and lots more expected over the weekend all local ski slopes are open and in good shape that is your snow valley ski report hey guess what good news even for local uh if the forecast sticks five to ten centimeters sunday and monday baby dare to dream we need it we need it for a variety of reasons enjoy the order game tonight if you're going or you're watching at home Oilers looking to tie the franchise record nine consecutive wins. Also, McDavid. He has 46 points in his last 19 home games. Look at step that to 20. Not bad. Not bad at all. On behalf of uh, Connor Halley, I am uh, Jason Greger. If you missed any parts of the show, go to jasongreger.com. All the interviews are there. Brian Benning was unreal today in uh, Who Is It Wednesdays. You definitely want to listen to that. Let's get to the Con Man Sports 1440 update brought to you by Douglas Mattress. You can experience their industry-leading risk-free trial, which is a 365-night risk-free trial. If you don't like it, you get a full refund, no questions asked. 
And uh, Douglas will donate the mattress to charity. Go to douglas.ca slash orders nation. Good night. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.